You are listening to Harford County Living Podcast with Rich Bennett and Sarah Coleman. If this is your first time listening, then thank you for coming. The Harford County Living Podcast is produced every month for your enjoyment and show notes are found at harfordcountyliving.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Harco Living and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now, let's join Rich, Sarah, and their special guest. All right, welcome to Harford County Living Podcast. Again, this is the actually first one for 2017. Uh, We have three guests here today. We have Gabe. Um, We won't talk about him. He's only my nephew, so he's not important. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Gabe, you sure you don't want to say anything? Yeah. <laughs> He's like a little puppet marionette or whatever. I guess if I put my hand on his back and make him talk, that'll help. I, I don't think that'll help. Oh, uh, well. And then we have Christian and Pete from Harford County Weather Watch, which we'll get to in a little bit. But before we do, just want to uh, talk about a couple things that happened in 2016. Of course, um, Harford County Living, uh, we've grown a lot. Um, now it's become a full-time job for me, <laughs> so it's like non-stop. Uh, Harford County Weather Watch, you guys came back in 2016, yeah. right? That's right. And the funny thing is, Four Seasons Nursery and Landscape had to get an office now because your phone kept blowing up. Right. Now, <laughs> now my phone is silent. No one has this number. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, we can change that again. No. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> try um a couple things that happened i know it back in i think it was january um they united way of central maryland did a, a volunteer program to help out the homeless they did at the epicenter right there in edgewood and they had over 200 volunteers and helped out over 400 homeless people in the county um come in with haircuts provided food all kinds of things like that um and i think they're, oh, you weren't here for the last one. Uh, I had them on for our last podcast. I believe they said they were going to do it again either in January or February. Uh, and then, of course, in February, unfortunately, we uh, lost two deputies. Um, but the county, the way the county pulled together for that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I know they, what, a new canine was named after Pat Daly, I believe. Yeah. A little, yeah, it was a little bloodhound, wasn't yeah, it? Bloodhound. Yeah, bloodhound. We had uh, loonies, everybody, uh, 510 Johnnies, a lot of places put on fundraisers for them. You're still sitting there on silent, aren't you, Kate? Yes. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, there you go. Oh, there, this <laughs> there you go. Be happy. So, um, that, all right, Christian and Gabe, you guys are young. You might know her. Grace Caldwell, Caldwood? No, doesn't ring a bell? Doesn't ring a bell. Oh, okay. She was named the 2016 Hyundai Hero of Hope. She started a nonprofit called We Can Serve. But the way it's C, it's Cancer Herb. So C A N C E R V E. Uh, and actually, she was just on uh, the Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon just had something where they were, um, I guess, honoring these young you know, kids that are doing all these nonprofits. So she, I think that's a, she's a fifth grader um, at William James Elementary School in Abingdon. And she was named for, for that. 
and I think that lasts for a few years, if I'm not mistaken. So that was one thing. Uh, God, all right. Pete, you might be able to help with this. Harford County Preschoolers collected over 10,000 books for charity. I'm you didn't know anything about that? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's private school. Okay. Yeah. Preschoolers at the Goddard School. Over 10,000 books for charity. Um, May, I think this is probably one of the greatest ones of the year. Uh, a graduate of John Carroll High School. Um, the students had gotten together, and he's from Nigeria. Graduated this year, the students all got together and surprised him by bringing his mother here for graduation. First time he's seen her in five or four years. Um, so that, that was pretty awesome. And let's see, the new Havity Grace Library opened up. I haven't been there yet, but they said it's pretty nice. Uh, then in July, we also had the Heroes Highway dedication. Another dedication, um, I know up at uh, APG, they had the, for the mothers, what do they call the, oh God, I'm drawing a blank here, Golden Mother Statue. Gold Star Mothers, which is a big statue they had put up there. Um, all kinds of good stuff happening in the county. I ain't going to go through every month because there is, there is, it's good when you see good news. And in the county, it's even better. Um, so, but with you guys, Hartford County Weather Watch back. And Christian, you're what, ninth grade, 10th grade? I'm in ninth grade right now. Ninth grade. How in the world did you hook up with Pete to do this? So, about winter of 2014 to 15, I was kind of running on my own weather page, doing my own thing, just really getting my feet wet and everything, starting out on Facebook, and uh, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I think I messaged you just asking you a question about something in general about yeah. the state weather station. You emailed me a couple times. I e Right, I emailed you, and then it... He's like, who is this guy? Yeah, that's that's kind of how it started out. I was, I was like, who, who in the world is that? I, I had no idea, and, and uh, it just kind of continued from there, I guess. And there it carried, and uh, spring 2015, I was on forecasting and whatnot and uh and eventually we did have to that was right before we had to wait a minute okay so in eighth grade you were doing this i was i've been doing this since really the end of sixth grade into seventh grade but as in far as weather weather County weather but in terms of weather watch i've been on it was right around the start of eighth grade that, wow. that i was with yeah. all right and that will because pete i know i've known about harper county weather watch for but as long as i've harper county living's been running and I know your forecasts have been more accurate than some of the TV stations uh, and everything. I appreciate that. <laughs> TV stations. <laughs> and, but, but you're not a meteorologist, right? No. No, I, I'm self-taught. Uh, I got really interested in the weather. 2009, we had some, some really big snow come through. I got really interested in it and started looking through models, looking through the data, figuring out how to read the different charts and graphs and everything. And uh, over the next couple of years, I, I kind of started doing my own forecasting for family and friends. And I, I wasn't doing that really publicly. Right. Uh, I, I had a Facebook group, but it wasn't a Facebook page. And then when I made it into a page, just so that folks who kind of invite their, their family or have their family just look at it if they wanted to, uh, all of a sudden it just started taking off. And, and I had a bunch of folks just piling on. And before I knew it, I had thousands of people following the page. I can tell you, it wasn't initially my intent. It was really right. just family and friends, and, and then it just uh, snowballed. So, uh, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then, then it just kept kept growing, growing, and suddenly I had you know, 
know, 10,000 people, 11,000 people. And then before we shut it down, uh, had uh, just over 14,000 people following the page, I think. Yep. Um, I was going to say you're over, what, 15, 16,000? We're close now. to 16 so we, Yeah, now. We're, we're approaching 16. Uh, we picked up almost 2,000 since, since we came back. Wow. Um, so had to take a little hiatus in there, uh, take care of some, some personal stress. That, that was going on, but uh, uh, coming back strong, and, and we're picking up more followers left and right, and uh, we we hope to be more accurate than other people around. I mean, that that is the goal. Uh, so uh, that's <laughs> what I was going to ask you, actually. I'm not going to lie. I only follow, um, I will change that once I leave here, I promise, but <laughs> I only follow Justin Burke, because I find that he's no, but anyway, I don't follow the news. So, that's the only one I follow. And what's the other one? What? But, yes, that one. Yeah. But yeah. those Foot's, I find actually those kind of how I got interested in it because uh, Mr. Foot was a teacher in Baltimore County. Oh, College. interesting. Oh, that's actually okay. somebody's name. Uh, yes, I yeah. did know that. Yeah. I, I didn't, didn't know who he was. That's interesting. And um, so I, I got kind of interested. Um, it, huh. In 2009, I was kind of following them and and started seeing how they were doing analysis and stuff, and, and kind of jumped into. So do you pre- so do you predict like? weather for the next week do you predict like the weather patterns for the next season yeah all of that so on on a day-to-day basis we put up a forecast every morning on the website and share it on facebook for the forecast for the day and then the forecast for the next three days on thursday we do a weekend outlook and on sunday we do an outlook for the work week and that's really been the way that's the way pete has done it since he started publicly really that's been the general the general uh, format now, recently, we also launched a premium service for people that are interested in more advanced notice for uh, storm events, whether it be winter storm events, uh, long-range outlooks. So we're talking about outlooks for a couple months in advance and even beyond, uh, kind of getting our feet wet in that whole long-range endeavor, which so far has worked out very well, uh, especially the last three or four months. Um, and so people, we are pretty surprised really by the number of subscribers just in the first week or so that we've gotten uh you know and especially when we have snow and ice events we provide more details on specific timings across the county uh and we just go into further discussion so for people that just want to know you know do i need to wear a jacket the next day the premium service probably isn't for you but for people that want to know you know what are our storm chances over the next 10 days what is the general outlook two months away that's what where the premium service is tailored to. So that's something we plan to continue on with. Yeah, we're snow contractors, round. so that's... The, the winter time is really what we care about because, I mean, right. spring, summer, fall, you can really work through most things, so that doesn't really matter, but as far as being prepped for snow, so that's... Yeah, we do offer consultation for um, for businesses. Um, we, we have different packages put together for that as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, for anybody that's, that's interested in, in a private consulting package um oh. so the, the premium services is, is really mainly cool. for like yeah, the, the general public who, mm-hmm. who would want more details with it, uh about longer range or for storm events a little bit further out where we we don't release numbers on snowfalls and things outside of 48 hours that that's been my practice yeah since we started um except for within the premium service they'll get to see kind of our discussion thought process leading up to that more public release um, so it, if you're just a general follower, you'll get that couple day notice when, when we really kind of have it narrowed down. The 
premium services for a little bit more alert, or if you're just interested in, in our thoughts leading up to it. But then there's also the, the private um, consultation service that's available for uh, contractors and, and such as well. And really for any business we cover, we do, um, we do cover you any really aside from the fact, unless it's a school day, but Pete and I are in school. <laughs> I mean, I, I cover outside of that 24 seven. If it's a weekend, if it's a weekday, I will, uh, I pulled some all nighters for this, for forecasting and whatnot. Uh, whether it's premium or, or, or when we start to get clients, I, I, I do work, you know, and then Pete has too. I mean, there have been days Pete's had, you know, woken up two, three o'clock to yep. get to get forecasts ready during winter storm events. So that is something that we we do. We rely on him a lot in the winter time for school closes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if it's something that's that's arriving at like four or five in the morning, uh, I'll tend to get up early so that I can see if it's shaping up like yeah. I thought the night before. Um, see if the timetable is is holding. Um, if the if the track is is still where it looked like it was going to be so yeah i find the weather to be just exhausting there's you know it the is canadian model and the european model and they never match and i <laughs> i don't even know it's it's really all about following the trend see we're not big on uh, sharing those maps from the forecast models mm -hmm. in the premium section of the website yes that is really what that's for but publicly uh we try to keep that limited because we would rather have people know our thoughts um, based on what the models are showing and all the data rather than throw it all out there and, and risk people being confused. Because a lot of the times there is a large spread in the possibilities and it's or up to us to close sharing that. a map that shows like this huge burst of snow that is really an outlier in the data, but they mm -hmm. do it for, for clicks and, and likes and things on Facebook. And instead of giving people an, an actual outlook. And, and that's something that I've always been big on since I started it is I want to be upfront with people. I want to be honest. I don't want to hype it. I'm, I'm not about hyping anything and I'm really about community safety as well. Right. So I'd rather mm -hmm. people be reasonably prepared than, than to say, Hey, we're going to get this huge icing event and everybody panic and go buy your, your toilet paper and milk. And like, I, sure. I want people to be prepared reasonably, but there's no sense in sharing a snow map four days away that is absolutely going to change just to get people hyped up about it. That, that in my mind doesn't do any good. And, and I'm not a huge fan of folks that are out there just putting maps out all the time. I'd much rather give somebody some analysis some thought about it and draw up a couple scenarios of, of my own, Hey, this could happen or this could happen. We're leaning in this direction or put some probability on it instead of just saying, here's three models, here's three maps. They will absolutely change. So it, really doesn't do you any good right. like, it's not sensible in my mind to do that and and i really try to avoid that uh, as, as much as i can it yeah i do wish that the weather worked that you could say okay <laughs> we're gonna have snow on january the 15th through the you know <clears throat> i and i wish i wish i knew what your you know what the weather was going to be like in the winter and during the because i guess on average baltimore in general has gets like something like 20 22 inches yes. of snow. Yeah, 20 to 25 average. inches is but kind we have, of the average range. Yeah, but we have, we have winters where you have five. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. and then we have, when, like, the, the blizzard last year shouldn't, shouldn't have happened or was not planned for or whatever you want to call it, and so we would have had those two small storms after that, and if, we would have had nothing. I always say if you, some people, you know, 
will say, well, if it weren't for all the warmth, uh, last winter would have been a colder than average winter, and that's great. But the way I see it is, is if it weren't for that blizzard, which was really an anomaly, uh, last winter would have been much warmer than average, which it still was, and we would have had very little snowfall. So our winters can go anywhere from, I mean, in 09-10, we got over 70 inches total for the season. But we've also had winters, uh, you know, like 1997 to 98, which just historically I've looked at, and we only got about an inch in this area. It was pretty much a winter of all rain. So we can see such a large range of, of snow during the winter. But generally speaking, uh, our average, it is skewed a little with the, with the different events. So 20 to 25 is the average. But, I, but generally in the winter, you can expect anywhere between 10 and 30 inches on a typical winter. That's where most of the winters lie, between that 10 and 30 inch mark. But in Harper County, uh, the thing is, if you're down by the bay, warmer part of the county, you might see eight inches in a winter, while up in Norrisville or other northern parts Northern's of the county, <laughs> you might yeah. care for <laughs> I mean, you could crank out 20 to 25 inches and have such a large spread, even with temperatures across the county. We've Just last night I was looking, uh, we had an eight-degree temperature spread across the county. Right now it's not that much, but you can have these huge spreads from south to north wow. across the county. So that's why in our daily forecast, we tend to forecast a five-degree range right. uh, to cover the county, and sometimes even that doesn't cover... Um, the range, you know, from north to south. Uh, so our forecast will be, you know, for example, you know, it'll be 45 to 50 rather than saying 48 because that one temperature isn't going to cover a county that sits between a bay and the fall. And you get idiots that'll call you out on that too. Well, and oh. a, a, lot of, a lot of people don't understand that there is a very geographic explanation for it. Not only do you have proximity to the water, but you have the fall right. line, which is for a lot of people don't realize this but that's it's where there's a steep elevation change where you have all the falls like the the jones falls and the gunpowder falls all of the falls in the area are on that elevation change and so you go from from the plateau area in central maryland down to the atlantic coastal plain and that runs kind of just west of of 95 in most places and so that elevation change and proximity to the water can drastically change the results which is why Normally speaking, on, on an average event, the difference is between the bay and about a mile west of 95. That's about a, an average warmer, lower impact zone. And then from about a mile west of 95 out northwest uh, through the county is normally a higher impact zone. Hmm. Uh, that's an average. Now, you have events that flip that where sometimes Joppa Town's gotten hammered and uh, North Harford just gets a couple inches. We've, right. we've seen that inverse before. Um, so you can never, with weather, count on something being totally average. But if I were to if I were to describe an average, that's generally what ends up happening because of that fall line, and it it all has that that geographic context to it. Yeah, my neighborhood is right on the river, right outside of APG. Okay, and we. We get nothing. I feel like we get nothing compared to the rest of the county. But I mean, we have um, contracts in Baltimore City and in northern Baltimore County that, you know, my guys will be out plowing and I'm sitting at home with the kids and no snow on the ground. It's right. I, I actually grew up in the Hereford zone uh, okay. over close to Carroll County, uh, way out, way out there. And, um, my parents still live over there, and so when we have weather events come through, it's interesting to see 
the reports that are coming in from the APG area, and then I, I live in the Bel Air area, so then I'm a little bit more inland, and then there's my, my parents over there, and so sometimes there's there's the difference of maybe maybe an inch of slush by APG to a few inches of snow at my house, and then my parents are like eight, nine inches of snow over there. So as you get up on the plateau and a little bit further away from the water, the dynamics change, and so Harford County has has the interesting situation of being a, a straddle point between those two areas that you don't see in a lot of places, which does make it a little bit more interesting to forecast. And yeah, yeah. and forecasting it, it, I'd be lying if said it wasn't more difficult in this area because you know you Absolutely. you have to you deal with uh, just... the huge change, um, you know, with the fall line, but also you know we are under the influence of the Chesapeake Bay sometimes, depending on the wind direction, right. the Atlantic Ocean, uh, and we're just, in general, kind of stuck between, you know, the southeast and northeast, so sometimes we'll get these hugely varying air masses, like right now, uh, where we'll have, you know, big surge warm from the south, and then now it'll crash out, and we'll be 20 degrees lower the next day, so we're also not only in the county are we kind of on that, you know, line of difference where here's the fall line but also just generally speaking in the eastern part of the country we're right in the middle between the colder north and warmer south so we're kind of in two transition areas so to speak which makes it pretty frequently more active right (laughs) i gotta ask you this when you get out of high school you plan on going to college to become meteorologist i do i plan on i figured this much Hoping and planning on attending uh, Penn State and their meteorology program. Oh, nice. uh, and after that, uh, obviously that's still eight years away, so I try not to think out that far. But <laughs> I, right now, have no intention not to continue with Harper County Weather Watch, whether that be expanding it in the future right. longer, down, much further down the line. We don't have any plans to expand in the next several years, but further down the line, whether that be carrying what we built now into a larger business that or whatnot. I, I like that idea, but we'll get to that when it Have you been around. studying marketing, too? Uh, I wouldn't say I've been studying it, but we haven't been doing too poor. Yeah. Why are you laughing? <laughs> well, to a certain extent, uh, you kind of have to look into it when, when you're doing anything like this. Right. Right. We, right. we are trying to, in in some ways, sell a product to people. Right. Um, I mean, it, the basic public service on, on Facebook and the website is is just that it's it's out there for everybody there's yeah. there's no cost to it but then also we do incur costs and so we are looking at okay how do we cover these things so the premium service is is a very minimal charge uh sort of thing for somebody who wants just a little bit more and that helps us cover costs and then if somebody wants a, a more precise consultation service then you know yeah we're looking at, at trying to sell that so you kind of have to know a little bit about right. about selling people on things uh in, in order to put that out there i mean otherwise you don't have a hope of, of expanding what what you've created i asked that because i had to laugh when you first contacted me and pete and i have known each other for years but you had stopped with you know with the harford county weather watch and just got married and all of that so we know your focus is elsewhere and then i get an email or a message from <laughs> yeah. christian i'm like yeah who is this guy trying to take over Harford County weather wise? And that's and that I shot you a message right away. Yeah. <laughs> and that, but you, I mean, because you contacted me, so anyway, actually, we 
we well, you know, we featured a whole website right. on HartfordCountyLiving.com. Yeah. And we got rid of AccuWeather and strictly use you guys now for our weather. That's great. But you also, you're linked up with Harford's Happenings, right? We are, as well as Gary. You just hooked up with WHFC. And did did I look at that right? You're doing the forecast in the morning, or is he actually He he. So what happens is I um, take our our forecast, and I have that sent in, a little different format uh, Mm -hmm. for the reading on the radio. And and he reads that a little after... It's right around the top of the 7 and 8 o'clock hour on weekdays, but it, usually it's a few minutes after because they'll cover the traffic at the top of the hour, and then it goes to, to our forecast. So in the morning at 7 and 8, tune in okay. to 91.1, and that, our forecast is read there as well. It's also available on our website, on Facebook. So we're uh, generally based on Facebook, so a lot of the traffic to our website comes from Facebook, but right. I'm also aware of, of quite a few people that, that don't have Facebook that just – um, visit our website uh, for that forecast, and and uh, and really our forecast. We this one thing we did change about the format is we, we shortened uh, the forecast in the morning. So what you'll see is a you know brief maybe one sentence description of the right. general pattern for the next three days at the top, and then it's just a quick forecast today, tomorrow, the next day, and a graphic. That's nice because I don't want to have to read six pages of an explanation of what's coming over the next week. That's yeah, and, and that's really the average person doesn't want to do that. They right. they right. just want to know, hey, do I need a hat? Do I need a coat? Do I need exactly. an umbrella? And uh, you know, get a couple days notice and try to be straightforward about it. When you start putting up maps and graphs and doing analysis uh, at the front, it, it gets confusing. So try to simplify it for folks that just want a quick look at the weather. Um, and, I mean, that that really is our goal to to make it as user friendly for people as as we can, and to let them invest however much time they're interested in. So if they want to go deeper, they can look at our deeper analysis, and if they just want a quick look, that's there too. So you said you wanted to go to school to be a meteorologist. So I assume that the weather people on television are meteorologists. Yes. Not all. Not all. Of them. So not all of them. Yeah. So I guess not my, by I, far. I can't <laughs> really I can't really follow why we can't get the weather <laughs> even close to right. So. Here's the thing. The, to be a TV uh, personality, you don't always have to be degreed in meteorology where you went to school for four years and got a bachelor's in science. The general, generally speaking, this isn't always true, but to be a meteorologist, the minimum is a bachelor's in science. Uh, that's kind of the, the minimum requirement degree. Uh, some go further. Some go to a doctorate, and that also doesn't always make you better than someone who just got the minimum degree. But... Not everyone on TV is now, I can say um, just firsthand because I've met them and I know them. In fact, I'm going to the station in a couple months. You know, the people at ABC2, they are, they do a good job. They have degreed meteorologists on hand. And, and in the, um, the, the local area, there are meteorologists that do have that certification or degree. But there are also those that do not. And the, the thing is, as evidenced by what we do, you don't necessarily have to have a degree to be good in forecasting, but if you've gone through school and you come out and you're still not producing reliable forecasts, that's not good. And and the especially on TV, because a lot of people watch those stations. I mean, they, they get they get high viewership. Uh, so the goal there, you know, it's my belief that TV forecasts should be top-notch and should be some of the most accurate forecasts because that's what people yeah. are looking at. They're looking at phone. They're looking at TV. 
but the phone and TV forecasts are not typically what are the most reliable forecasts, and that's, to me, concerning, and I'd like to fix that um, as I go on in my career. Uh, right. A lot of reliance on, on a single model, or a, if you have somebody just sharing out maps and, and not doing any sort of connective reasoning with it. The human element, I think, is, is hugely important for forecasting, and that's why your, your apps on your phone are not necessarily reliable, because there's no human element there. It's just regurgitating a, a computer algorithm. And so when you get people just putting that out there, yeah. It's not accounting for trends. It's not accounting for, uh, like, say, that you're in a drier uh, soil condition. You're not getting evaporative cooling. You're going to stay warmer. Computers have a very difficult time accounting for that. So as, as a human, I can say, okay, I understand that we're drier than usual right now. I can account for that, and I can forecast three or five degrees warmer than what the model is saying right now because I understand we're not going to cool to that level with the air mass that's coming through. Computers are, are notoriously bad for accounting for small, trendy details like that, whereas humans can look at a pattern over, over time and account for it. The computer only has the algorithm that it's programmed for. Now, they're getting better. A lot of the models are getting a lot better, but without that human element involved right now, you still can't get it nailed right. down. And if the human element is not accounting for the patterns appropriately, then you, you get some missed forecasts as well. Do you follow a particular model, or do you look at them all and just pull from everything, really? I think it's very important to look at the full spread of data that you have available to you, because if you zero in on any one set of data, you start to skew to that, whether or not it's it's running accurately. And if you get attached to any one model, or, or start hugging the model, as, as people will, will say, then that can get you in a lot of trouble in terms of your accuracy because when that model drops then all of a sudden you're hanging out there with nothing to support you mm. instead of looking at the larger picture averaging what the models are telling you and and we know some things about the models the canadian model generally handles cold air masses better and and we know that the gfs and the euro skew warmer or cooler at certain times of the year or in certain uh conditions and and we know that Outside of 10 days, things are more or less reliable based on, on the amount. Outside of 10 days, most things are not reliable. Um, and then that's where you look at analog years, where you're looking at what happened in previous situations because the computers aren't good at projecting out sometimes. So you, you end up with, with the situation where you, you, need, you need the human to read across all of the models and kind of give their informed average that doesn't mean that we just take like canadian euro and gfs and average all the numbers and that's what it's gonna no you have to look at the trends and and what is most likely based on what you know about previous happenings um, computers are are very bad at doing that on their own on average how much time do you guys put in on a like on a, a weekly forecast i mean you know, you're, if you're looking at all these different things, it depends on how like, no, I'm just listening to yeah. it. So I, I <laughs> uh, it, it it depends on on how active the pattern is. Yeah. It, it depends yeah. on on the type of weather as well, because people are much more invested in snow than rain. Right. So when it comes to winter forecasting, I mean, well, that's <laughs> that's true. And so if, if you're looking at 
at a potential snow event or uh, this last precipitation that, that we had come through with the, the mix of, of snow and uh, rain yeah. and ice and everything, uh, you know, that takes a lot of time. It takes hours of analysis versus an average day of, of sun and some, some breezy, maybe uh, sporadic cloudy conditions where, okay, that's, that's not so bad. That's easy to look over. Um, and so it, it varies, but it, it can be anywhere from a few minutes of looking at it going, Hey, this is a nice stable pattern. I like this. This is nice to, Oh my God, I'm going to be up for, for three nights in a row looking at, yeah. at what's going on here because we have something that is developing and with every model run, you might get shifts. And you can't jump on those. And, right. and there are some people out there that, that put out new maps every model run, or your phone does it with phone apps, will we'll revise Especially. every model run. And so you, you see numbers fluctuating all over the place. And so if you're, if you're doing a good job of looking at that leading up to an event, then you're taking a lot of time, but also you're not putting every thought that you have out there for the public. Right. You're holding back to see consistency over 12 or 24 hours. Before you say, okay, now we see it trending this way, or the data still supports what we said before. So it can be hours, or it can be just a few minutes. If, if it's one of those that's hours, you're praying that schools are closed that day so you can finally get some sleep, right? Sleep is nice. That always happens. Sometimes, I mean, I've had days where I've gotten two and a half, three hours of sleep and been rolling into school the next day, and when I come home, I, yeah. I'm tired. I've, but, I've done that too. Jeez. But just ex- you guys need an app. See, that... More uh, difficult than it sounds. That's, yeah. One, that's costly. Um, Apple's very prohibitive uh, with development yeah. too. It's, it's very tough to get in on the iPhone market. Uh, so you really have to take a careful look at development, who you have building it, yeah. how it's going to be constructed, and how it's going to be rolled out. Because you have Windows phones, you have Android phones, and you have iPhones. Um Android yeah. is, is the most open. Windows is is pretty close behind them in terms of open. Apple's yeah, very close off. Yeah. So app development is actually is pretty tough to do effectively. And conveying everything that we do, friendly. which right, right. Yeah. And, that, and that's really good enough for people for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I mean, conveying what we do through an app is tough because we'd have to be able to update the app pieces because yeah. we're not relying just on a computer output. Um, so. That starts to walk yeah, a fine line. Yeah, I have the, the, the Weather Channel. I don't even, yeah. I, what do I have? The Weather Channel and I guess the, the app that the phone comes with. I don't even know what that is, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think it's the Weather Channel. Uh, I don't know what it the is. The Weather Channel has a weather. Oh, yeah, good. I think it is. I think it's Aggie Oh, that, that's even better. Um, <laughs> but, but just briefly expanding on what we were talking about with the models, I did want to throw in, uh, I do think that eventually it's not going to be soon it's really not because we do the the weather community is still not where we can get the next day forecast right 100 percent of the right. time we're not there yet but i do think we're going to get to the point several years down the line where maybe the one to two day forecast the computers are hitting that and the need for meteorologists shifts more to say the 15 to 45 day again i don't think that that's going to be the case anytime soon but we are going there and that's why we do also we are also kind of embarking on the journey of the long-range forecast starting that out because that might very well be the future of of how we forecast and 
you know, even though the models struggle greatly beyond five to seven days, that doesn't mean that long-range forecasting several days and even months in advance can't be done. And we've really shown that just the last few months with with how um, the analogs we use forecasted for September, October, November, and this month, which all verified pretty much right on the dot, not just here, but if you expand the view to the entire country, really for the whole country. So it is being done, and it's not just us, but there are firms that are doing it correctly on a pretty decent basis. Uh, not every month. You can't get every month. We're not to the point where we're nailing every single long-range month. I mean, last May was that cool, cloudy, rainy month. That was completely missed because we, I mean, there was just no way of knowing that that active pattern would keep right. it so, you know, so cool all month. But uh, generally speaking, the, the long-range forecasts are getting better if you're following the right source. Uh, like Harper County weather. Right. There you go. <laughs> and and the, our long-range forecasts really beyond you know, seven days are not model-based. We base it off of analogs, what happened in, in previous years. Because, I, you know, I was just looking the other day, they have charts that keep track of how the models are verifying compared to what they projected. And 10 days away, the computer models are about a coin toss right now in terms of accuracy. It's right around wow. 50%. Some of them at times are lower than 50%. So if you average it out over, say, a one month period, the computer models out to 10 days are about 50 to 55% correct. But there are times during that period where the models are only verifying 20 to 30% beyond 10 days. So we are not to the point where those computer forecasts can be anywhere close on a consistent basis 10 days out. And that's why those, you know, I'm not going to specifically name the company who does this, but you're going to know when I say it, the 90 day forecasts that nail down specific temperatures humidity, wind, thats it's not possible. It's simply not possible to do that accurately out to 90 days. No, and, and computers are reading current conditions. I've seen 90 days. That's interesting. Unless it's Farmer's Almanac. That's yeah. the only thing I yeah. see for 90 days. I mean, but yeah, I mean, do they even have are, that anymore? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. They, oh, okay. It's out there. Um, I, I saw it for sale. Yeah, because <laughs> Farmer's Almanac called for last winter to be, like, cold and really snowy or something like that, which was the total opposite right. of what actually happened. The Farmer's Almanac claims 80% accuracy, accuracy. I think that's their website headline, 80% accuracy. They have, uh, they've never released how that's verified, because it's not. It, you, it, they it's also don't release how they how they define their forecast right. either. It's, huh. it's not known how they're determining what they're releasing or how they're checking up on themselves. Um, and that's something that, that we're really big on. We, we want to be transparent and, and accountable. Right. And so we, we have a page on the website that actually tracks our, our forecast verification for um, snow events across yeah. the winter. So Have you, so have you yeah, predicted January? Would you say you were doing three months at a time? So right, they've, done so a winter, done they've done a January winter weather March. outlook. Yeah. We did our winter outlook. Right now we're breaking uh, on the premium uh, subscription I currently have. And I, yesterday I put up an outlook for um, the next month, broken up on a you know, kind of a weekly basis. We broke it up, you know, now to January 5th and then January 5th to 15th and then 15th to 26th. So we have that outlook. We also have an outlook where we forecast for January, February, and March. Um, and then we have, I have a couple more long range outlooks on there that, that go a little bit further, just giving a general idea um, in terms of temperatures. The long range outlooks, you can't go into much detail beyond temperatures compared to average and precipitation compared to average. And a lot of people also forget, because I, I left a pretty long note on there, too, that 
warmer than average in, say, February does not mean warm, necessarily. Yes. Sometimes yeah. it does. Funny you say that, yes. Sometimes okay. it does. But, you know, the, the, for example, the average temperature right now, is looking the other day, it's across the county between about 40 and 45 degrees. So, above average wow. temperatures could be 47. Could be in the upper 40s. Yeah. And that's not, that's what we are considered slightly above average. Now, when you're talking about, like, for example, last, uh, last December, um, in 2015, where we were getting pushing 60s and 70s in December, that's just flat out warm. That I mean, that's George. much yeah. above average. Yeah. But, but we also want to, you know, people to know that when we're saying below average, above average, don't necessarily take that as cold or warm, respectively. You have to really look at, you know, what is the average, which we say, so people know, okay, so maybe we're not going to be, you know, warm, but we are going to be trending warmer than what you'd expect this time of year. And it's the same thing for snowfall. We do also talk about, you know, above or below average for snowfall. And, you know, below average snowfall, for example, in February, in this area, in many cases, can be five, six, seven, eight inches could be below average. But that's still substantial, especially if it comes in one event. So so that's also something to be considered in those long range. Yeah, because I... Being snow contractors, where we start being interested in what the winter could possibly hold in like July to make sure we have stuff ready and you know in, in time and buy anything that we need to buy. So it's interesting that you said that about the above average temperatures because the Weather Channel, I feel like, is famous for these maps that have the you know above average temperatures or below average temperatures or whatever and they and they, they make it look like oh my god it's going to be like 70 yeah. in january we're never going to get any snow this is going to be terrible because snow contractors we like our snow money so right. it's like i'm like oh man we're never going to get any snow look at that the, the map's orange but i think if they did put out something at one point in time where it was like just because we're saying above average doesn't mean that it's going to be right. warm it just means like you said, the average is 40 to 45, and it's actually 40. And a lot of their outlooks also, a lot of winter outlooks, uh, we broke ours up. Breaking a winter out, see, we issue our winter outlook publicly in early November. Now, if you were to be a client, you would start receiving our winter thoughts late in the summer into the early fall, and we'd adjust as it goes on, as time, you know, as we get closer. But um, sometimes people average out their winter outlook for December through February and say, okay, it's going to be above average. But that Again, that could mean you could have a month that's below average. You could have periods that are much snowier than average. So in our winter outlook, we do try to break it up on a month-by-month basis. Is that Are all four months, December through March, probably going to verify an outlook in November? Probably not, but the goal is to get pretty darn close. And so far uh, for December, that's exactly what we've done, and we hope to continue that trend January through March uh, in terms of pinpointing temperatures compared to average and whatnot. And for clients, again, we go into a little more detail on specific periods for those temperature trends and, and potential snowfall. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I saw something about a possible event on Thursday, uh, Channel 11 maybe, I think might have had something yesterday, but um, I was looking at it and they were, they were talking about how it looked like there was going to be snow, maybe a dusting maybe, but when they pulled up the map, then there was only like snow in like, you know, real western Maryland. So I'm like, how... How, how are we going from the, the map of Western Maryland to uh, dusting? And my husband's like, oh, that'll move east. I'm like, yeah, it'll either move east or it won't hit here at all. So uh, I was looking that. <laughs> we were looking at, well, I was looking over that last night. That I've seen, you know, forecasts or rain snow mix. Temperatures on Thursday are going to be very marginal. 
And not to mention that lately, really on a pretty consistent trend, it's going to be a bit cooler tomorrow, but temperatures have generally been warmer than average for the last week or so. Soil temperatures are in the low 40s. And for that Thursday, you know, all really from the surface up through the atmosphere, temperatures look very marginal. So in terms of supporting snow, that'd be pretty unlikely, except for maybe a brief mix. And and the other thing about those forecasts, you know, sharing snow maps for an event where you could have multiple types of precipitation is a terrible idea because those snow maps that are generated by the computer models, and those are the snow forecasts that go into your apps, by the way, that yeah. are generated by the models. Sometimes not only are they completely missing the pattern. So if the model, so just starting off, if the model is tracking the storm wrong, snow map's going to be wrong. But on a, you know, taking that further, the snow map sometimes counts sleet, ice, I, there's even been times where the model has counted rain, you know, as snow on the map. So it, it's depending on how the model's handling temperatures, that snow map may be way overblown in terms of snow. So, you know, I saying that there's showing a map with a dusting of snow when you're going to have a primarily rain event with temperatures rising to the 40s probably isn't a good idea. And that's one of the things. So lesson learned, just look out the window <laughs> and well, really, forget watching the news. I want to know if because my big thing is, and I messed up because the last blizzard we had, we had a good snowfall. And I've always wanted, yeah, I live in a cul-de-sac. So I've always, I like grilling. But I couldn't get my grill from around back because the snow was too deep. So we're going to have a good snowfall where I should bring my grill around front beforehand. I still have some apple wood from Pete that I need <laughs> to smoke some stuff. Well, any, uh... <laughs> Now, you know, identifying specific types of snow events, whether it be minor, moderate, or significant, um, you know, and this is a hint that in the next several days now. Um, but, but it's warm enough to where I could probably just grill out for the health. Oh, sure. Okay, sure, good. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, but any time, uh, the thing, I, I joke about this with people sometimes, but it's really true. Any time you have winter and you have cold, the snow will come. That's the thing. So, yeah. you know, sometimes we get those cold patterns that pushes out the moisture and we get that dry air. But if you establish a cold pattern during the winter time, the snow will work itself out. It will come because rarely do we get into patterns in the winter where we're seeing no storm events coming through. When we have those snows where it's, when we get, well, when we have those years where the snows are limited, where we don't see much, typically it's because temperatures are just not cold enough to, to support that snow. We still have the rain coming through. So rarely do you have a winter where it's cold and you don't eventually get snow out of it. So once we establish a colder pattern during the winter, that it's inevitable that we will see snow. And I feel like I'm watching Field of Dreams that's all there. So if it's cold enough, it, it will come. It will. <laughs> I, it's, it's, and it, it's really that's true. That needs to be your slogan. <laughs> you can, it's, it's, we joke about it, but it is completely true. If you establish the cold in winter, it will snow. It's not if, it is when. It, yep. The snow will come. and I mean, it's, we're, we're just looking for, at this point, when. When. And right. it's not a matter of if. We don't think it's a matter of when. And, and, you know, in that premium, it's where we're nailing down those periods of potential colder and cellular conditions. Here's one of the things that gets me, though, because you have, and we're talking about it now, but you have people always worried about the snow, about winter and everything. And, Pete, I, know, I don't know if you still do it or not, but come springtime and everything, you would post a lot about when to plant this, when to plant that, yes. because of the weather. And you, you, know, you know, a lot of people don't seem that concerned about that. Well, that's which, huge for agricultural right. uh, 
workers. If you're a farmer or running a nursery, uh, anybody that's that's concerned with agriculture around here at right. all. Right. Which is a lot of people. Now. Yeah. I mean, we are mainly farming community um, when when you get pretty much anywhere Except west of... for where they're building now. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, it, historically and, and still currently, the majority of land in Harper County is, is still farmland. And so around here, it's a big deal. And, and you have to understand uh, different seeds germinate at different temperatures. You need different moisture conditions. And so, so agricultural consultation is actually a pretty big piece of, of weather services. And it's very important for people to understand when they can put certain things in the ground. Because you want to get it early if you can, but then you don't want to get something planted that's just going to end up getting frosted out or frozen out. And so determining when that timeline is setting up every year is is actually a, a pretty big deal heading into the growing season for a lot of folks around here. Even just your home gardener wants to know when they can yeah. put out their their petunias versus their pansies if you're looking for color in your yard you're looking at rolling out your your different planting at different times and as as a landscape contractor if you are putting plants in before they are viable you're effectively wasting somebody's money and and that's uh, a bad because well, the one year when i had my garden i mean i followed what you said mm-hmm. and i mean most of it was herbs and everything but still i mean it, i relied on that right Unfortunately, I didn't do it last year, but uh, I mean, is that something you're going to do or are you incorporating into the Harper County Weather Watch? Um, you know, whether it be tips or something like that? And that's something that, that I've kind of always done along the way. Um, mm-hmm. Agricultural consultation is, is certainly something that, that if somebody was interested in, we, we would be uh, happy to look at. I actually have a, a couple added features on my personal weather station uh, that give me soil moisture and soil temperature and I, I have instrumentation buried in the ground so that I know what the readings are so that I know when we're actually starting to thaw to hmm. the point that we can put seeds in the ground and have them be viable or I can advise people to water or not water based upon the soil moisture right. content at the time. Uh, I can look at how heavy uh, dew is in the morning. I, I have a leaf moisture uh, sensor that says how heavy the dew was so that you know if wow. if you need to uh, adjust any of your topical moisture versus your, your in-depth uh, watering. So there's there's a lot of aspects to, to the agricultural field that are tied very closely to what are, to most people, probably mundane weather conditions. I mean, most people don't care about dew, but that, that is moisture added to the system for your right. plants. So... Those details matter, and and they're certainly something that, that we can provide to people if, if they're interested. Honestly, I would have never thought about that. And yeah. the other thing uh, that comes around during the spring and summer, really not much here. It's not a big thing, but uh, that we still focus on, you know, when we see the potential and with where I grew up was a really big deal, severe weather, because there are sometimes, you know, instances here where we do get some pretty significant storms. Yeah. It's not... Usually it's not a yearly basis, but I mean, just back in the duration and I think that was 2012, I wasn't quite here yet. Where'd you grow up at? I grew up in Northern Alabama and, oh, that, and that, okay. was, that was a hot spot for significant, not talking about little tornadoes, but significant tornadoes. The town I lived in, a mile up from my house was demolished by an EF5 tornado. I mean, we, wow. were, we were within 
a couple miles of that. And it, it was the April 27th, 2011 tornado outbreak. It was just about a year before. Oh, I there was here. like a ton of them everywhere. Yes. And that one of the, the EFI that seems to be forgotten nationally, everyone talks about Tuscaloosa and all that, but the one that came through the area I live in northern Alabama that cut across northwest Alabama was devastating. And we drove wow. through that, that damage. Uh, and it, it was, it looked like a war zone. And we were just recently back in Alabama this fall and we drove through the area where the tornado hit five years ago now, and you could still see um, just the leftovers in, mm. in terms of the trees um, and even some of the structures that hadn't been rebuilt. So it it was it's that kind of thing is something that I will never forget. And we see the potential here for severe weather. I'm always on it because that's kind of something I grew up with uh, for ten years of just constant severe weather during the spring and fall. I mean, here we get out of school for snow and everyone laughs about that because you know, even hurricanes <laughs> yeah. sometimes but you know in alabama they have tornado days where we will stay home or go to school and have to take cover all day because there's tornadoes coming through and and that's really that's worse if you're someone who works at the school system and is making those decisions because if you're making a snow decision you know okay that's one thing but when you're making a decision of whether to send kids to school for a tornado threat or to keep them at home and when to send them that yeah. that's something where you could be you know determining whether a kid lives or doesn't i mean that's a serious serious decision that's so made. much less certainty exactly related to locations i mean most of the time you know pretty closely where where the snow event is setting up right but there's very little warning the tornadoes are so tornado formation which i, I was find interesting that people rebuild in the same area, or even live in, yeah. like, you know, the Tornado Alley area or whatever. I have a friend of mine that um, grew up in Alabama as well, and I found it really, it made, she lived right in Tornado Alley, and I always found it really interesting that people just well, rebuild in the same area when that can happen to you again next year. That That's something where some people don't have a choice, but, yeah. True. So, um, you know, the thing is about that, the northern Alabama, northern Mississippi, it's, it's called the Dixie Alley now. It's like a new tornado alley they've named. They call it the, Dic- the Dixie Alley because you have the main the main tornado alley, the tornado area that everyone knows is from Texas up through South Dakota. That's what everybody yeah. considers to be the tornado area. But, you know, people forget there is another tornado alley, and that is in that Tennessee Valley region. And, you know, especially over the last, 20 years or so, it has really been, I mean, they've been devastated there. We were lucky that when we were living there, we didn't, we weren't directly hit because we were within a couple miles of the biggest really storm event you can ever face on this planet. And that's an EF5 tornado. And that, that's something that, uh, it wasn't a significant reason that we, it was more of the school and work thing, but that was one of the things that, that drove us away from that area in terms of a minor driving factor so it's it's worrisome you know considering they're so built up in that area i mean especially where i used to live in the huntsville area they just they just keep building up and building up and you know huntsville hasn't been hit directly yet but it could very well happen i was gonna say do you i I mean could that be cause for seeing tornadoes in more area in certain areas because of yeah the way they're building i mean cutting down more vegetation more forest Mm. or i mean there's there's a lot of things that that are impacted um, by 
by human development. If, if you look at the Ellicott City flooding, um, yeah. that, sure. that is a result of them continuing to expand and driving the water into that older historic downtown area. Um, and, and that was a consequence that didn't seem to be totally planned out. In terms of direct correlation with severe weather, it's it's tough to say exactly. Yeah. People are studying it. We're right. looking at data. We're trying to find patterns. But as far as a specific direct correlation at this point, it it's far from conclusive what what we are actually causing or not causing in terms of, of severe weather. Um, it seems uh, like I mean you know and we're, we're you see, Maryland you're seeing more of them, but it seems like it's up that Route One corridor. Especially the light from Kingsville to Bel Air right, so, area. So that's funny you mentioned that. So last summer, not this past summer, but the summer before that, um, we had kind of were in this pattern uh, where severe thunderstorms that came through, or even just rain events, were just clobbering that same area over and over. That mm-hmm. summer, uh, I seem to remember that summer, it was like a 20 inch difference from like southern Pennsylvania total rainfall to that. Core, especially around Kingsville, they were absolutely clobbered a couple summers ago. Yeah. They had that big hail event down there. They had all the rain, and that's something where we do think that there are weather patterns that repeat and they set up, you know, over a pe- period of a few months to even as much of a year where it just keeps hitting that same area. And even we've even seen it's not consistent, but we've seen situations where the areas that got the worst of the storms in the summer are in that higher zone for snow during the winter. And again. That's not something that we've directly correlated, it's like Pete said, but that it is something interesting um, in terms of this whole theory of atmospheric repetition where storms tend to do the same thing over and over until right. that pattern breaks. It, it's I think it's something that should be looked into further because there have been some instances where it's been very close in terms of this area got the heavier rain during the summer and then that pattern of storminess there keeps continuing for several months. Yeah, so, until you see a major shift in, in the overall pattern, you tend to see similar events shape up. Uh, we've seen it with banding within snowstorms across Absolutely. certain parts of the county. We've seen it with uh, flooding events or severe weather. And until you get a major shift, that area doesn't seem to change. And then when you get that shift, it sets up a, a little bit elsewhere, right. or, or maybe it shifts out to the mountains, um, depending on, on the severity of the, of the shift. But we do see that repetition until a major change occurs. And, and I would love to see people studying that further because I think there is something to it. Yeah. This may be a dumb question, but let's, why, like you were talking about, you know, Texas to South Dakota and the Tennessee Valley, yeah, Tennessee Valley, like why tornadoes there, why not here? So why not in Maine? I mean, it's colder there, but I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. That's, that's generally, so there's a few factors really. Some of them come together differently at different times. But they're in an area where they get a storm system that ejects from the Pacific. So you have a storm moving off the Pacific. It cuts across the western part of the country. But they're in an area where that cold front that's associated with the storm system uh, interacts with very strong, a very strong flow of moisture off the Gulf of Mexico area mm-hmm. from the south. It's typically in that Tornado Alley area. It's generally from the southeast, uh, which would make sense because that's the direction from the Gulf of Mexico. But... They get that strong southerly moisture flow. You know, they have the strong cold front activity. It, it It's not as simple as just a clash of cold and warm air because you also have to consider wind, uh, different winds in the atmosphere. Um, 
but generally speaking, it's that interaction um, between the warm, moist air and the colder air, and they're just in a primed area for the for the storms coming in from the west to get in on that tornado activity. Here in, in Maryland, uh, there's a couple of reasons that we don't see that activity, but one of the big ones is that um, ahead of storm events, we tend to see clouds out ahead of it and sometimes shower activity, and that really, it, typically because it's a flow off the ocean, and that can really hold down um, the severity of storms because it, it doesn't allow us to build in that instability, and that's what you want for storms. So the planes really, um, on a worldwide s- scale or you know, however you want to call it, that's the tornado alley of the world, really, because the United States statistically sees more tornadoes by far than any other area of the world, and that plane area is just in a perfect spot between the colder air that dives in behind the storm system and the strong flow of moisture coming in from the south. And, you know, that's why in northern Alabama, just being north of the Gulf of Mexico, another tornado alley develops because when you get those storms cut across from the west, you get those same dynamics in play, a little bit moderated. It's not the exact same as, as in the plains, but it's the same general idea. And we're just not in that primed area for those really severe storms. But it, it, it has happened. When we get those strong, they're called derechos, uh, those strong you know, storms with, with wind coming in from the west along strong cold fronts, that's when we can see uh, some pretty severe storms. But but again, we just don't have those same dynamics in play as you would out in the plains for, for severe storms. Have all the warnings changed? Because you know, whether it be severe storm warning or whatever, one of the things I noticed, tornadoes. Okay, you have a tornado watch. And it used to be the tornado warning was issued if a funnel cloud was, if a funnel cloud was seen. Now it seems like oh, you right. see tornado warnings all the time right, so and t- there's never nothing. We have mixed feelings about both of us, about the National Weather Service. So they are they are in place to save lives. That is right. their goal. That's their mission. Uh, some National Weather Service forecast offices are better than others. And a lot of the war... I, my reservation is the computer systems we have now that try to identify rotation in thunderstorms are not always correct in that that rotation is producing a tornado. And sometimes, out of extreme caution, the National Weather Service issues those tornado warnings when they see a sign of rotation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the tornado is on the ground. And that could be, a, some people would view that as a good thing, because that means that you're getting advance notice of some of what could possibly turn into a right. tornado. But my problem with that is, is when it does not play out, People do not take that warning as seriously in the future. You're not and hearing the sirens anymore. When it's repeatedly a, a missed warning, right? Then people start to say, "Oh, well, it it never pans out, right. so I don't need to pay attention to it." And then when it is a more serious situation, right. then you're not prepared for it, and and so moderating between that extreme caution and the actual application of the warning is is a fine line that they have to walk, and making sure that you're making the right call is obviously um, a, a tough decision, but one that that they they need to take seriously, yeah. and, and sometimes they're they're missing. Do we even have sirens? Yeah, we have, there's one uh, at Mariner Point Park, but you don't hear it anymore, because I remember, and it seems like it's most recent that they've started doing this, because I remember here in Joppa Town, we had a tornado basically come up the gunpowder through the marina, and... 
I want to say it was like somewhere between one or three o'clock in the morning. And that siren went off and it was more or less in my backyard. I must have been sleeping good because I didn't hear it, but it woke my wife up. And she got me up and we got our daughter got down under the steps. Well, they went down under the steps. I like a dummy went outside to look. I, I've, I've seen tornadoes <laughs> before. And to me, it, to me, it's probably the most, I think it's the most beautiful thing that nature does. Yeah, as far as being severe. Um, and I know it's very devastating because you get some of those F4s, EF5s, even F2s and F3s. Just the destruction they do. But when, when I saw, the first one I saw was over the water. And just that pearl white, like the you know water spout. I mean, I just always found it fascinating. Um, but it seems then we heard the sirens going off. Now, because I think we had a tornado warning a couple times over the summer. The there sirens was, never go off. There anymore. was one in that covered Suffolk. You know, here's here's the thing about that. It is easy for Pete and I to, or anyone who doesn't work at the National Weather Service, to to say you know, well, you're being overboard or whatnot, but I mean, they have a tough decision. They're talking yeah. about people's lives. But what we just wish that they would try to do is to not issue a warning every time that there's a radar-based rotation. And that's yeah. why we really want to see, um, if possible, more people. There's spotter networks. Um, more people join those so they can call in and say, okay, I'm in a tornado warning in this area. No, I'm not seeing anything. Or yes, I am seeing something. It's confirmed. It's on the ground. Because a lot of storm chasers don't want to come to this area because it's highly developed. That's why all those yeah. storm chasers go out to the plains during this. I mean, of course. Because if we have, ever moved out there, that's what I would have, <laughs> I mean, of course they have better storms. That's one of the reasons. But another reason is storm chasers do not like highly developed areas, suburban areas, because that's dangerous. There's trees. There's buildings. Traffic. You know, there's traffic. <laughs> Um, so we don't have a lot of storm chasers in this area, and that's why, you know, you don't really have to do much in a spotter network. You just, it, during a storm event, you report what you're seeing. You just call in. You, it's associated with the National Weather Service, um, and, and that's something that we think that we'd that. like more people to join in on. Because that is, the more people that help out with that means more improvements more lives on the are being warnings. Saved too. And, well, and the more accurately they can, they can read the radar and see rotation but then nothing happened or rotation right. and something did happen right. and and the more data they get that they can compile and, and work through then theoretically the better their warning system should function huh. i never knew about these spotter networks yeah because they have i think it's i think noah does it when they do like their for example their snow totals hey. because we use their uh, website for billing purposes so right. we can see so that if you click on a certain area it'll tell you whether it was um, whether the they figured out how much snow was in an area because of a spotter or if it was something else, but hmm. they tell you the the um, the other thing with that is we uh, just recently stopped sharing National Weather Service watches on our page. Um, warnings, a severe thunderstorm warning or tornado warning, we would share, right? Because that is a, a potentially life threatening situation, but we no longer share. Uh, Pete did the whole pretty much the whole time he ran the page, but we stopped sharing their watches because of just the inconsistency in what they were issuing. It, it's especially just starting off this year, you know that that freezing rain. I don't know if you remember this. It was a, for back earlier in December, a freezing rain advisory on on a yeah. Sunday night, 
and there was just it was not warranted. It was simply not warranted. Yeah, there was no support. There was you, no you support. Figure out what they were looking at that was driving that that statement. So that that and the time this last event where they you know were issuing the winter storm watch initially, you know they initially had the winter storm watch. Then they decided, okay, we're going to downgrade to a winter weather advisory. And then during the event, they then issued a winter storm warning. And that inconsistency, we're just not going to confuse our followers with those outlooks. We're just going to stick to ours. And if they want the National Weather Service alerts, there's plenty of places to get them. But it's just a fact that their alerts from this National Weather Service office have have been inconsistent and it, really, it, really it confusing. a lot of people off. It does. Yeah, I mean, we, we can't be telling people, okay, winter storm watch, no winter weather advisory, no back to yeah. a storm warning, or going back and forth waffling every couple hours isn't an effective way for us to communicate to yeah. people. So we, so we're we just pulling back. Look at the people on the road, the I-95 pile off. You get all that, and people are like, should I drive? Shouldn't I drive? Should I drive? I mean... I really hope people learn something from that, first of all. They like, they, and, unfortunately, they don't. And I mean, the thing is, you can, I cannot say this enough. You cannot drive on ice on roads. It right. is not, you cannot do it safely. When you have a glaze of ice, a glaze of ice on the roads is more dangerous, I think, than six inches of snow. Oh, for sure. You, oh, it is. That. you cannot drive on a glaze of ice. And if you, you know, that's very sad with what happened with yeah. that truck flipping over the, the bridge and all those cars that piled up. But, it, it really should be a lesson learned that especially if you're driving a lot, really any vehicle, but especially a larger vehicle and don't just think, cause you know, if you're on I-95, you're good to go. No. Those, those you drive to meet conditions, right? The salt, yeah. you know, sometimes crew, you know, the salt can wash off if it starts as rain and then changes to ice. There's so many things that come into play where you can't just think, oh, I-95, you know, it'll be fine. Cause There's it's a lot of bridges on 95. Well, the, you bring that yeah. up a lot of your, contracts or uh, they're they're more uh, reactive than proactive Um, we've never operated that way so it was very interesting uh, change I will tell you that the the ice event at the end of December you know whatever last week two weeks ago um, that we had gone out and salted our roads that we were responsible for prior to the event and when they went to get more salt from the salt domes, they wouldn't give us more salt because we weren't supposed to dump the salt at the time. We ended up working through that and it was fine. They gave us more salt, but the roads that we were responsible for because they had had the salt put down prior to any rain and ice uh, starting were significantly better. Not I'm not saying they weren't slippery, but they were significantly right. better yeah. because we were proactive as opposed to reactive, which is what happened on 95 is nobody was proactive. They just reacted to the weather and it was too late because you're not going to melt the ice and that quickly. And people always ask us, you know, I've gotten this question all the time. Uh, why would a business or someone pay for weather? Well, all you have to do is take a look at two weeks ago and that's why. Yeah. That's why even, you know, public works <laughs> or, or road treatment, you know, organizations whether it be government or private you need that private consultation for weather events because a phone app you know it was just a couple years ago that the that a general manager of a baseball team down in florida was using his phone app for a forecast they had a a a roof on the stadium that's retractable and he left it open and it rained because he was relying on his phone app 
You're telling me you can't afford a freelancing meteorologist to to correct that, and that's and that's why we are offering that consulting service because these business you know businesses do need that information. It's it, and ultimately, it will help your business with profit if you're not wasting money on operations that aren't necessary, or you know, or opposite of that, you know, not going out if you're, for example, snowplow or not going out when you should. So it, it goes both ways because right. not only do we want to manage weather risk, we also want to let people know, okay, this isn't necessary to waste a bunch of money and resources on because it's a non-event and it's balancing that. It's, know, well, what has what free weather gotten us? I mean, really. Well, you get free weather on TV, you get free weather on the internet, well, you get free weather. See, people... People think it's free weather. It's not free weather. Not right. You're, okay, I, you're right. I am paying <laughs> like, my FIOS like, bill. You're right. Well, and, and NOAA, National Weather Service, you're paying for that Tax dollars. taxes. Yep. And so so people don't it's realize they're, they're already paying for weather. Yep. The question is if you'd like to pay a little bit more for a accurate little bit weather. more accurate weather. Yes, you have your publicly available um, subsidized or ad-based uh, weather, but you're right. It, where where is it getting us at the moment? And sometimes it's on, sometimes it's not, and, and we really. I feel like it's on when it's currently happening, and we're reporting twenty four hours a day on the snow that is <clears throat> currently falling or the rain that's currently falling, not the. Sometimes it's about the news coming. story instead of the preparedness. Um, uh, you know, news is about getting viewership, and so yeah. sometimes on a TV station, that's that's where the reporting goes. Um, we, we really try to be more proactive. We, we try to help people be prepared. That's where our focus is. We'd like to try to help pinpoint things a little bit in advance rather than have people reacting to things. Uh, you know, we, we put out things about it. If there's a a major traffic incident as as a result, like to try to help folks know, don't go out or if you have to go out, avoid this area. That's really what we're about. And, and so getting that local touch and and getting community feedback and and building it as a community project almost is is key to our success it, it really is and and you don't get that with your your big major name weather providers you, you don't get that with with news services or or the national weather service because they they're looking at whatever their main goal is at at the moment which guys- is not necessarily always a yeah. Do you guys use spotters? So, like, obviously, you're you're at home doing right. very complicated things, whatever it is. <laughs> um, but so, say you have, um, you, do you have somebody that's down in Southern Harford County or Northern Harford County that's feeding you information that's, that's currently? That's what makes Harford County Weather Watch work really well. Is that on Facebook, anybody that's on the page can give us a picture and a report of what's happening. We do ask right. that people oh. actually show us the measurements. Like we'll, we'll have folks say, you know, a couple inches of snow. That's a little bit difficult to discern sometimes. If you actually go out and, and measure, and I've actually, I've given out instructions on how to build a proper snowboard to measure snow before to folks if, if they're interested. But even if you're just going out and sticking a ruler in, that's more helpful than saying a couple inches because yeah. what you're perceiving as a couple inches, I, I've seen it only be an inch before where mm-hmm. where I was right where somebody was reporting and I'm, I'm like, that we have an inch of snow and you're telling me two or three inches. Or I've seen people say four or five inches when it's 
you know, more. It, it's it's hard to judge without an accurate measurement. And so we we do ask that people actually give us measurements if possible. Don't endanger yourself to do so. But um, that level of detail coming in from anyone around the county through Facebook is really really helpful, and it's created a network where where people feel connected to what is happening, and we can create that larger picture of the county because we do have people reporting in. So we don't have a specific spotter network. Just the county We just have That's people cool. on Facebook letting us know what's going on. Now, we do have weather stations that we report from around the county um, on the WeatherLink network that, that my station is part of. Uh, we have a few other stations that, that we reference and that are on the website. So you can get current conditions for pretty much any area of the county through our oh. website. It's under a drop-down menu for, for current conditions. And so we have that in conjunction with people reporting out. So during weather events, we, we have a pretty good picture of what's going on because of that community that has built up around the page. And I guess the other thing, too, people measuring the snow, they have, you know, a lot of them just walk out the front door and do it, and you can't. You have to hit the right area in your yard. You don't want to do it under the eave of your roof. Well, and you don't want somewhere that's windblown. You don't right. want some, somewhere that's drifted. Um, grass. If you have a good lawn, adds padding underneath, so you actually measure too high on grass. So you want something that is a hard surface, if huh. possible, or if you have a compacted soil area, that works pretty well, too. I have a few I'll different areas. I always set up a snowboard, but then I also double check with a couple other areas that I know is compacted soil and not grassy. And then I kind of provide either a couple measurements or I give people the average of I'll say I measured three places and the average was, and then that way people know that I'm providing them reliable data. And so the close, the closer to that that people can get when reporting out to us, the better. But honestly, any measurement that people can verify for us is Does helpful. my patio table work really yeah. good? Yeah. Actually, yeah. actually yeah. that's one of the best things that people can okay. do is, is yeah. a table. If it's, if it's an open space deck that you have, yeah. Uh, or a patio, and you've got a table out there, if you measure on the table, that is one of the least likely areas to drift or be impacted by other things. So tables are great. If you don't build your own uh, snowboard wow. to measure on, patio tables are a wonderful thing oh, to use. Great. Just make sure the umbrella's down, because... No, right. Yep. <laughs> nope, obviously. Yep. You know, some folks, uh, I, I've seen pictures, they're like, we have so many inches, and like, your umbrella's up. <laughs> so I know. You know, do probably really want to make sure that, that conditions are, are and, true. And we also, um, not only do we get the reports, but there are some followers that, that send pictures on a pretty daily basis through the through the visitor uh, visitor post. So on Facebook, you know, any pictures we get, sunset, sunrise, lightning, um, any type of pictures you can just share right to the page, put it in the comment section, um, even if you just want to message it to the page. Now, now we would... Uh, we typically uh, urge people to share it to the page or share it in a comment section so everyone can see your report, whatever it may be for, your picture. Because if you private message the page, you know, we're obviously are fine with getting private messages, but not, we want people to see your report or your picture. Right. So And during an event, we don't have time to share out everything right. that somebody private messages sure. us. So we encourage that public recording. Right. And if you're going to take pictures of lightning, make sure you don't do it from outside. Do it inside. Uh, yeah, a tripod <laughs> with a remote is going to be your best bet because otherwise you're not going to capture it by hand anyway most of the time. Uh, so tripods with remote 
uh, yeah. shutter. You don't want to walk outside with your phone. Yeah, no, <laughs> have, no, no, no. Please don't. Go or camera. I mean, we have a couple people. One, um, one moved, which kind of sucks because he was yeah. he was a great, uh, great, great photography. Um, but we still have we have a couple that will send pictures on a pretty regular basis of you know where they're almost professionally done. I know Linda Bot she sends those uh, you know sunset sunrise pictures, lightning. Um, we have a couple others, Jeff Perkins. Every day we have a we have a picture of of a sunrise or sunset. So. And, and the thing that I think is great about our page is not only do we have, you know, the, we have what we would call regulars, the mm-hmm. people that are always reading our forecast every day, always seeing our posts. And then we have those that choose to come maybe just during snow times or, you know, during severe weather, whatever it may be. So that's, that's great because people can really, you know, just choose when they want to use our service because it's always, always there publicly with that more advanced information premium. Now, is your is the Facebook page embedded? Do you have the, the live post embedded onto the website yes, as well? At the bottom, at the bottom of the homepage, the Facebook feed is on there. Um, we also have, I I believe the Instagram feed is down there. Although we haven't used Instagram uh, too much lately, just because that's more not photos much, than anything. Yeah, oh well, yeah. But our we always uh, I always tell people. Uh, Number one resource for us during live coverage is Facebook, but sometimes Facebook, well, I won't say sometimes, oftentimes, as you probably know, Rich, Facebook limits your post reach quite a bit, so sometimes during severe weather, not everyone sees our post. Now, you can try to correct that by turning on notifications or selecting our page for see first, but for just general forecasts, um, obviously the premium, because that's website-based, but for our forecast. If you don't see it on Facebook, go to the website. It'll be there because not everyone ends up seeing our Facebook posts, unfortunately. We have almost 16,000 followers, and a good day of reach is maybe eight or 9,000. Yeah. Oftentimes, right. it's only a couple yeah. thousand. So It's very limited. Sometimes. Yeah, Facebook has changed their algorithms and everything yes. so much because they want you people to spend to, money. Exactly. And now they're looking into changing that again. Oh, good. Now, actually, That's great. quick question. With, with the website. How, um, do you guys get a lot of traffic to the website compared we, to, say, your Facebook page? We get the main traffic is definitely Facebook, but I was looking the other day at our website reach, and I'm actually surprised how many have got you know clicked on our links from Facebook to the website because you know sometimes we see people just kind of want to stay on Facebook, don't like clicking the links, but really we we've seen quite a bit of traffic to our website. Obviously, it's especially during the winter. I mean, we see right. our greatest traffic <clears throat> on all platforms during the snow season, um, but but I'm pleasantly surprised how many have been clicking on those links. It, it's more than it was, you know, before that hiatus. And, and you know, really, uh, it's really great that, that people are reading those forecasts on a daily basis. And we think that, oh, at least I think it, it's probably due to the fact that we kind of added that graphic in. We shortened it a little so people just get that quick, convenient forecast. Uh, are, are you using WordPress now? Or? We, uh, we Wix. use Wix. Well, you're still using Wix? Okay. Which... I, I generally like, um, you know, not every website. I think you used webs first, right? I, I used webs at first. And that then, was terrible. Uh, it, I hate it, webs. it was really bad. It, <laughs> and, and it was really difficult to work with after a while. Um, the, the flexibility of the, the design was, right. was pretty right. much null. So I uh, started using Wix, and most things are customizable on there. So we've been able to really build it with, with feedback and everything from from folks to figure out what's what's working best and 
uh, the mobile version ends up being pretty streamlined right. as well with Wix. So uh, getting that in, included in there is important because a lot of people are, are Facebook on their on their mobile device, and then if they click the link, we want it to, to look clean for them. So, exactly. Um, that's really worked out pretty well. And and we take, I mean, we want people to know that I mean, we've done this several times before. If you comment, you know, whether it's an issue on our website or something you don't like, chances are that if it if we think, yeah, that's a pretty good suggestion, we'll, we'll change it. I mean, we've had people, when we came back and we, we set up the website again, that the, that the background was too dark with the text, so we went in and fixed it. So if you leave a suggestion, uh, as long as it's within reason, obviously, chances are we will probably take that suggestion. Yeah, I mean, we, we are listening to people when, when they give us feedback. Um, <laughs> the feedback's key to me, because there's... Some things I'll post on Harford County living, you know, like asking what they, what the people want to see different. And sometimes you get nothing. And then other times you'll get, as a matter of fact, I think somebody sent me uh, a letter about something in the county. And then that got feedback. Like, I know. It, I try, for, for our page in general, I try and figure out what grabs people's attention and what doesn't. I hate to say it. It seems like anything negative. Like, it seems like people feed on the negative well, stuff. That is than that's the positive very true. I mean, stuff. if you just follow things yeah, on I mean, Facebook that's from the news too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yep. Bad news sells, and and that's kind of what over the years I think people have kind of been programmed to look for, uh, which is unfortunate. Well, there's, I mean, your ter- bad weather forecast. You've yeah. got a ton of people commenting because they're pissed off because yeah, you absolutely. didn't get the yeah. weather right. Well, then there you go. There's your following. And there's we, your, the, your numbers no, no and everything. Nobody's ever commenting, hey, I'm really enjoying this great sunny day. Yeah. It's, it's, always, <laughs> it's always the snow um, that, that gets the, well, that gets the one, comments. One good thing, I can actually, I can honestly say that Hartford County Living is the most, the biggest good news source <laughs> yeah. in the county. Yeah. So. I mean, and, and really, there's not much good news to find in, anymore. And, and the yeah. fact that it's a the fact that it's a local site is even better. And, and the thing it's is, hard to find good news. And the thing <laughs> is, no one. The bottom line is, people always wonder. I think why you know, for example, th- this kind of ties into everything. But you know, why are you putting on my football game at eight thirty? Why are you reporting? You know, a video of somebody in a truck flipping over a bridge and blowing up. Why? Why are you reporting that? Well, the reason for all of it is, is it generates more money yeah. and it generates more views. That's the bottom line, and that's, and that's something. You know, of course, we try to put our posts in time frames where more people will see it. You know, we want to get people content to click on, but we also are not going to, you know, bait people into no. visiting our site for something that's completely crazy, not going to happen. And we have two advertisements on our site. And the two ads are not driven by visitors. They're a set contract at the beginning of the term. So visitors to our site do not impact our current ad deals whatsoever. So we're, we never drive, you know, clicks to the site to, you know, increase ad revenue or, or right. anything like that. Yeah, one of, one of the things I, and I've had people, you know, contact me and, and, and even send me the negative news articles. And one thing I will not do negative news on there. I, I refuse to from the beginning and I refuse to now. And and actually in 2016 we had a company approach us about buying the website. And I, I was looking at it and everything but they were out of London. They weren't here in the counties. Why would I want to do that? And, and I, talk, I talked to a couple people about it. I was like, you know what? No. 
forget it. Even if it's a local place that wanted to buy it, I can't because it, I know they would change and go in a different direction than what I, you know, wanted it to go. But so it's like no. And that's it. where, and on a more national scale, that's where a lot of these. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and say the names because there's no reason not to. That's why a lot of these organizations, such as the Weather Channel, are, I mean, they, they truly did used to be great. They did. They used to be a pretty reliable source. Um, but they got bought by NBC, and then they got bought by the Weather Company. Uh, and that shuffling of ownership just, it, it really doesn't work. It's been proven many times on a national scale that that shuffling doesn't work. So yeah. on a local scale, it's not going to work either. Well, it happens. Okay, I mean these big companies that merge. I mean, yeah. the same thing happens. What well, if you work for you know for a corporation, and you hear you know they're getting ready to merge, the employees are the ones that get scared first. Right. I've been through. Mm-hmm. I, I was with the third best IT company in the world. I worked for, and then they merged with another company. And then it's like okay, everybody started getting nervous. Well, sure enough, it was six months later. Seven billion dollars in debts popped up from this other company, and just driving home one day, we get a call. Uh, yeah, doors are going to be locked by Pinkerton Security at five o'clock. Get your belongings out now because you will not be able to get in. And that, it, that you know, all of a sudden, this big company just shut down like that, and all these employees, and it, it happens. Yeah, that's that's why so much of our focus has has been staying local and based around building the community yeah. the way that, that we have because we, we want it to be a community resource run from within. It's it's not going to be this thing that's always changing formats and and based on the whims of advertisers or or investors or, or anything like that. We, we want it to be this this resource that, that people can see locally and that's why yeah. the businesses that are advertised on there are local. We, we our core development has been staying local, and, and that's really what we're committed to. We're committed to Harper County and making sure that people know what's going on in a, in a hopefully unbiased, unhyped sort of way, and uh, just getting folks the, the best that, that we can do. And it's worked pretty well so far. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and further on that, you know, expanding on that commitment, we are planning to as the new year rolls in, register as a business in the state of Maryland. So we're, we're set on this for, for a while. I was going to ask you guys, you know, what are your plans, you know, for 2017, you know, ongoing, that's going to be different or whatever. And that it's the, you know, we're going to register as a business, which really, and for the followers won't change too much other than the fact that our name will have LLC by it. Uh, But not only that, but we, we really want to continue on with this premium service. We want to look at, um, picking up clients for consulting and expanding that uh, that you know private section, but all uh, of the of the business with the premium and the, and the consulting. But I mean, we also, I mean, the truth is, we really don't want to change too much about what we're doing because right. we think it's working pretty well. So you know, any opportunities that we think would benefit our followers, we would we would go after. But at this point, our plans for 2017 are really not to change too much at all. Yeah. Now, one important thing, and we haven't mentioned it yet. Tell everybody the website. That's what I was going to say. Okay, so what's the website address? So the Facebook page is just Harford County Weather Watch. Um, all spaces, all that. Uh, the website is harcoweatherwatch.com. Um, and we do have our Facebook feed that goes through Twitter. Um, 
but but the main platforms would be Harford County Weather Watch on Facebook and, and HarcoWeatherWatch.com. So uh, so those are our, our two big platforms to access our forecasts and, and all the content that goes along with it. And any other ideas you come up with here? I mean, that if you know, if we can help push it, let me know. Um, whether it's a new app or whatever. One of the things um, I like to do, and I think I did it before, mm-hmm. was I had your Facebook feed on there on HarperCountyLiving.com, if I'm not mistaken. You had the Facebook feed, and then you had the uh, website RSS embedded. feed embedded in there. Well, yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, with with whatever our current formats are, there seems to be a little bit of compatibility with the website. So yeah, the RSS be, feed's not working. I had to embed the whole website on. But yeah, the, I mean, the Facebook feed, you can certainly embed. That's that's okay. easy enough to to get in there uh, with whatever format. Is being used on the website that that definitely sits in there. So, and we'll definitely. I mean, obviously, with this podcast, once it's on, you know, I saw that page on the website. We'll get that link. But I mean, same to you with Harvard Happenings, you know, local organization. We're always happy to help push that out and on the website, Facebook, and whatnot. And and we're really looking to continue local part expanding local partnerships because that's like Pete said, our our core foundation. Yeah. Anytime you do anything, videos or anything, you want to send them to me. Actually, you know what? Better yet, what I'll do, if you want, I'll just set you guys up to where you can post stuff right onto the website. If you want, that might make it easier. Or is that too? Or is that another login that you don't need? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's it's already so much we throw around. Yeah, you got too many hours already as it is. So, but but uh, but yeah, anything expanding local, we're interested in and. Uh, and, and like I said, I mean, we want, you know, if we ever make any changes, which we really don't expect to publicly, it'll be for the good of the followers. But right now, we like where we're, where things are going, and uh, good. and we plan to keep on rolling with the same thing, hopefully get some snow in here soon, and, and start following that. So, Anybody else got anything to add before we uh, wrap up? Gabe, are you awake? Awake. Okay. okay. I don't talk. You know this. <laughs> are you going to start predicting the weather for us? No. Why not? I already told you I'm useless. Uh, jeez, I want to. I want to go that far. You did bring in Warheads. <laughs> so just on a, a final note, because I said I do this uh, for the podcast, reading off some of our um, impressive totals for for the year of 2016. Uh, first, we'll start off just because we must with the blizzard. <laughs> The maximum measurement, I believe, was 37 inches in Norseville that was verified. We had a general three feet, 30 inches to three feet across the county. So I'd say a lot of people would agree that was the highlight of the year weather-wise. But we also had a couple other highlights with the big heat wave during the summer. Actually, we had two of them, one in uh, late July, one in mid-August. Our maximum temperature was 98 degrees. Our maximum heat index was 125 degrees with the humidity factored in. Um, some of the colder numbers, uh, minimum wind chill was three degrees below zero, which that was actually, recent, wasn't it? That was, uh, I don't, I don't know if that was the recent cold snap or the no, one that last was, winter. Was, was that last winter? Okay. Uh, and then our minimum temperature, which this was definitely from last winter was four degrees. And, uh, and that wraps up the, uh, extremes from 2016. So we'll see what rolls along this year. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, I want to thank you guys for coming on and want to remind everybody listening, if you 
if you or your business or organization want to come on to the podcast, it is free. It's our way of uh, promoting you to the county. Um, and actually, I've gotten a ton of emails from people that want to come on in um, 2017. So I will be contacting you. Uh, ben Stocks, Richard Wilmore, get ready because I'll probably have you guys on soon. Um, and Sarah, I want to thank you. Got good year. Yeah. Doing it this way wasn't a lot better than at the station. Yeah, I think it more relaxed and we didn't have to stop. Every and, seven minutes. You know, <laughs> and we just talk about, like, yeah, and allow you to edit your way instead of be another honest, way. Be honest with you, I really haven't done a lot of editing. I kept a lot of stuff in. I don't know. I try not <laughs> I to like listen it, to I like it to be more natural, you know? I try not to listen to them. I don't. I think it's weird to listen to the sound of my own voice. I did listen to one, and I was like, God, do I really sound like that? Is that really what my voice sounds like? That's well, like weird. I said, I always, I've always had a face for radio. So, But while we, look, we right. tried to record the first uh, first time we did the station, we went to record it on video, and I broke the camera. <laughs> How did you break the camera? I have no idea. I wasn't holding it. Steve Clendenin was. He was filming it, and he's like, it, it's not working. So, as I said, I have a face for radio. Apparently, you put it on camera and it just breaks. So, I guess, we'll, you know, I'll stick with doing it this way. You know, whatever works. No, yeah. yeah, no on-air uh, interviews for you, huh? No, 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 no probably not. Probably st- and probably still stick with the monthly, um, I guess, because weekly can just be time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the monthly is good. I think the monthly is good. Yeah. Yeah, it keeps it more widespread. And people are going to it, so work so again i want to thank you guys looking forward to uh, a good new year and um yeah as soon as i get out of here and get service i'm gonna apparently we're in a hole here oh yeah yeah for those of you that don't know we record up here at copenhaver park at the uh, joppa town lions club clubhouse so and we don't have do, no internet or nothing up here we're yeah. in a bunker while you do drive <laughs> uphill you are in a a hole for service so well, yeah, technically, I mean, we're all concrete all the way around with a metal roof, so that's probably one. Yeah, you see an antenna up there, maybe. Uh, that's, well, it's one of the, we're working on a few things, so <laughs> we might see some changes. So, we'll see. Thanks again, guys, and uh, Dave, you want to say goodbye to everybody? Why? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my nephew. He's going to have a, you're not going to live uh, this My husband would say <laughs> millennials. I'm okay with that. Yeah, okay, that's all right. Like I said, I'll make sure I send this to everybody at your school so they they can see how well. And we even got the sounds of you snoring. I didn't fall asleep. Pete, didn't you see him fall asleep? It looked a little bit like sleep, yeah. I'm out of it. I'm sorry. It's like five in the morning. We saw your eyes closing, you going. Mm -hmm. Uh Thanks again, guys.